From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. So we understand that immediately God not only creates man and breathes life into him, but now his first act is to provide for him. That's what he does because we're connected to him. He understands that something living needs to be something fed, needs to be something looked after, needs to be something provided for, needs to have fresh water to have access to. So his first thing that he did after creating Adam was made a place for him, made a home for him, okay? And immediately, again, we see the necessity of connection. Lego. You guys love Lego? Because I do. Right. There was nothing to Adam without God. Right? Lego just doesn't work by itself. Have you ever made a tower out of one piece of Lego? Never. This isn't a tower. Eugene, don't say yes to that. You can't. You cannot make a tower out of one piece of Lego. Okay? So here's what God does. This is him. We're going to use him as like the big piece because he's connected to so many things. Smart, I know. Okay. All right. Ready? First one, Adam. Adam and God are connected. Okay. Now, God decides that Adam probably needs a helper because he's a male. (laughs) Yeah, Kathy is saying amen to that. Okay. So, the Lord God took the man, placed him in the Garden of Eden and said to him, you can work over it and watch it, work it and watch over it. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, okay? So, Adam got given some boundaries. You're following? All right, okay. So, then the Lord God formed out of the ground, every wild animal and every bird of the sky. But that wasn't Adam's helper, and God knew that. So then he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. I'm reading from Genesis 2:21. The Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Okay, God is God, right? He could do anything. He just made a mud cake into Adam. All right, Desiree's loving that one. Okay, he made a mud cake into Adam. He could have done the same for Eve. He could have. He could have raised Eve from the dust. But instead, he pulled Eve from Adam so that she would be eternally connected to him. So now, Adam is connected to God. Adam is connected to Eve. Eve is connected to Adam, and Eve is connected to God, and God is connected to both of them. You understand? God could have made her from the dust, but he chose not to. He chose to pull her from the rib of Adam in order that they would be connected. Okay, we're going to find another piece. Red, for the woman. We're going to put her here. Can you see? Yes, starting to look cool, isn't it? Right. I'm not sure if I'm spoiling the story for anyone, but the perfect connection doesn't last. I know. Shocker. Okay? So, Eve decides to eat. She gets tricked into eating from the tree of good and evil. 
right? Our perfect, perfect connection is interrupted. We understand that from the very, very, very beginning, okay? The serpent, we're reading from Genesis 3 now. The serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman replied, this tells me she knows, okay? We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. The serpent cunning as ever, says, no, you will not die. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. From the beginning, man, if only Eve hadn't have been so curious, okay? The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Here's what I want to talk about this morning. Sin didn't disconnect Adam and Eve from God, and it didn't disconnect them from each other. But what it did do was became a breeding place for shame first and fear second. That's what it did. That's what the knowledge of God and evil did. It didn't mean God fled Eden. It didn't mean that they were left by themselves, separated forever until Jesus came back. It actually meant that now their eyes were opened to a good and evil that they understood, and that allowed fear and shame to be tangible emotions that they felt. So what was the first thing they did after eating from the tree of good and evil was they disconnected from each other. They covered themselves up. Now, God designed man and woman to live in, in, a, in an intimate connection with one another that is not like anyone else. Seeing each other completely naked, they had no shame. Then they understood good and evil, and shame took its place, and they covered themselves up with fig leaves. That is a point of disconnection from one another. What once was designed for perfection now became a point of disconnection. Okay, and then we keep reading. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Second emotion, fear. First emotion with each other was shame. Everyone say shame. Second emotion was fear. And it caused them to hide from God. He went looking for them. Now he's God, right? So he probably didn't need to ask them where they were. Nah, he knew where they were, but he chose to highlight disconnection to them. Where are you? Because that, that tells us that actually God needs Adam and Eve to understand that they have removed themselves. He didn't remove them. He didn't push them away. Their fear did that. What they thought God would react or respond to or the way that they thought he would, which is funny because they only knew the perfect nature of God at this point, but they, they rose up with fear inside of them and hid. How many times do we hide from God? The Lord God called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then God asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I mean, like God knew. He knew that they had eaten from the tree, but he needs to hear a confession of sin from their mouth. Okay? Because that changes something. When we actually confess to God something, it changes out loud 
all of a sudden what he can speak into our situation. Then the man, okay, straight away with the blame game, rude. The man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit. She, he blames God and he blamed her. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Immediately, he tries to absolve himself of a situation, which is often how we respond when we're responding in fear. We try and absolve ourselves of any possible connection to the sin so that God would see us holy again. When the reality is Adam had to confess with his mouth his sin and God didn't banish him because of it, but there were consequences with it. Right? Are you all with me? Connection was always our design. Always. But fear and shame caused disconnection. Okay, now here's what I want to do. Genesis 3.21, And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. He didn't withdraw his protection from them. In fact, he saw now that they needed more than Eden. They needed covering. He didn't tell them to go and make clothes for themselves. He provided clothes for themselves. That's how good he is. Even in our shame, even in our sin, even in our fear, he is a God who will provide for us because he knows the heart of his people. He was the one that breathed life into us and he's the one that will provide for us. Yeah? All right. So then we read in Genesis chapter 4, the third thing that I just want to highlight that happens really quickly after eating from the tree of good and evil, and that, that, that's that comparison led Cain to murder his brother. So they've felt fear, they've felt shame, and now the enemy uses comparison to have Cain cause ultimate disconnection with his brother by murdering him. It is dangerous to live in a place of comparison because we do things and we say things, even in our hearts, that would cause disconnection from our brothers and sisters. It happens so quickly. And, and to be honest with you, I can relate with Cain quite a lot because when he brings his offering before God and God doesn't, he wasn't pleased with it like he was Abel's. And the amount of times that I have stood before God and been like, are you kidding? This isn't enough? Do you hear me? This is really not enough. And he's like, oh, he, doesn't, he just doesn't care about the amount ever. Ever, ever, ever. We, we see that in, in Genesis chapter 4. He doesn't care about the amount. He cares about the heart. When I throw money at his feet and I'm like, you said this? You want this? Fine, have it. He's like, mm, let's try that again next week. And I'm like, no, you asked for that and that's all you're getting. And he's like, let's try that again next week. Right? And, and then I start to compare myself with my brother and sister standing next to me. Oh, well, they got this and this and this. So God must be happier with them. You know what that does in my heart? Disconnects me from them immediately. And I was actually designed for connection. I, Ashley Bennett, a Lego piece, was never 
designed to be disconnected from other people or from God or from the church. So when I start to breed shame and fear and comparison in my heart, very quickly what God designed as connection becomes isolation. Because I have to cover myself up from you. No vulnerability. I've got to sew the fig leaves together. I don't want you to see me. No way, no how. And then I hide from God. Now, he can't see me right now because what I'm doing is just too much. I've sinned. He can't be with me anymore. He's God. And then when God asks something of me because of the fear that's been breeding, my heart is selfish in its priority and that breeds comparison. Because Cain was selfish. That's what I read. But he didn't bring to God with, with an open heart a sacrifice. He brought to him what he had to. That's selfish. Selfishness breeds comparison very, very, very quickly. Right? I'm sure we've all experienced that. If only I had this. If only I had that. Oh, look how much they have. How quickly did it change from if only I have this to look what they have? It changes so quickly. Right. So, Cain kills Abel because his selfishness led to comparison, comparison to jealousy, jealousy led to murder. A heavy word, I would hope no one in this room has murdered someone. If you have, though, we still love you, okay? But the reality is God doesn't say murder is something necessarily physical, but the moment that we hate someone or something in our hearts would be to wish them dead. And that is a scary place to be. I spent the last few months recovering from what I would call very nearly a burnout, like a pretty serious one. And the first thing that I disconnected myself from was the church. I was here, but I wasn't really here, and was from people, and then from God. And I just, I felt so much shame and fear, and I had so many things that were operating as hatred in my heart that I didn't recognize as such, the biggest of which was hatred towards myself, that I became disconnected from God very quickly. And it took a pretty massive wake-up call to understand that I was never designed to be out of connection with people, with God, or with the church. He gave those things to us to help me. He gave those things to me in order that I could be vulnerable, in order that I could do life with someone, in order that I could be real in order that I could understand forgiveness from him. But my stuff, my fear, my shame, my comparison caused a disconnection. God didn't separate himself from me. My stuff caused a disconnection. Are you with me? Right. We're going to read. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 242 if you've got your Bibles. Now, Acts chapter 2 is all about the day of Pentecost. Who knows about the day of Pentecost? Yeah? 
So the beginning of Acts chapter 2, everyone is talking about the Pentecost. Then Peter's, Peter preaches. Okay, so this is the day where God pours out his Holy Spirit fire. People start to do crazy things, speaking in, in a heavenly language. People thought they were drunk. The joy that overflowed from them. Okay, but Peter shuts it down. He's like, mm-mm, they're not drunk. They have seen God, caught a fresh revelation of him, and that's what they're responding to. Okay, now, Peter preaches. The church that's now forming, the people group that's now connected through fresh revelation, asks what they should do in response to God. Okay, and God says to them, through Peter, that they are called to repent, to turn, to be baptized, and then to dwell together. Let me read this. Peter replied, this is Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the names of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children. That's what tells me he's calling them together, because there's a generational closing of a gap. And for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call, with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. Can you imagine? Guys, can you imagine like an outpouring of God that caused 3,000 Tiawamutians to be baptized and, and a part of the church? Is that not something your heart like longs for? This is fresh Holy Spirit revival moving in a nation in order that God would establish his church, reestablish what once was disconnected through Jesus becoming the cornerstone now reconnected in order that revival would sweep and we would understand what it means to live as a people dwelling in the presence of God. That's exciting, right? 3,000 people? That means a new building. Okay, no more red walls. All right. So, it meet, it's, they asked Peter what to do in response. And, and after the baptism, they did not ask him again. There's no scripture that tells me. And then they said to Peter, what do we do now? They didn't keep running back to him, what do we do now? Because they caught fresh revelation. When you catch revelation of God, he leads us into things that make sense. Okay, and this is what happens. Acts chapter 42, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That was their response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, was that they positioned themselves to hear from the apostles, to pray together, to eat together, to be together, that is connection. That's what God's designed us for. And when we catch fresh revelation of the heart of God, we don't have to go and ask Pastor Phil what to do next. The reality is it's pretty clear. Put yourself in a position where you can learn because learning people are growing people. And if you're not growing, you're dying. So God needs you to move from the fresh revelation and now steward it. Get under some teaching. Get with people. Have meals together. This was his design for us as people. When he starts taking what he built and then starts putting all of these Lego pieces on top of it, because remember, we're designed for connection. None of us looking the same. All of us adding different things to the game. But pretty quickly, we become a people who are strong. 
a fortress, a safe haven for other people to enter. That's what we see in the back of Acts chapter 2. We understand that God says to them, I'm so pleased with what you stewarded that I am now adding to your number daily. He was so pleased with the way that they devoted themselves to teaching, so pleased with the way that they prayed over each other, so pleased with the way that they broke bread together that he said, this must be a safe place. I'm going to bring more people. Non-Christians, people who didn't catch the first revelation. But it's, it's available to them. They're able to be baptized, but they need a safe place once it's happened. And the Acts church knew the safe place. They knew that they were the safe place. They weren't a church inside of four walls. They were the church, capital C, moving as a people who understood what it meant to be completely connected. Because when you're connected with God, what flows out of that is a natural want to be connected with his people. And if you're not feeling connected to people, it's time to ask why. Because we are shutting fear out, we're shutting shame down, and comparison needs to flee. Because those things are the things that are keeping you from connection. If you are ready, God has a fresh revelation of his heart for you. And when you catch it, I can guarantee that the church of Te Aumudu will not be this big. We will not be able to house our Christians, our, our family in this building any longer. And it doesn't just go for this church. It goes for all other churches. When one starts to rise, the Christian churches will rise together because people go looking for a safe place and they go looking for family. And you're the church, not me. I don't have to sit there and put a bunch of groups together and say, Bruce, you're going to Desiree's house on Tuesday night, and Kathy, you are going to go with the McVickers. I, I shouldn't have to do that because you're the church. You're designed to be connecting with one another as a natural response to the revelation of God. That's what it's in response to. Not a striving, a response to the revelation of God. Let me read this. Um, blah, I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. It's the Bible. But I very nearly said that. <laughs> yeah, lucky. Okay, everyone was filled with awe. So I'm reading from 43 now. And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day, they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now, here's what I don't think was happening. I don't think they were up at the temple and then eating and then bickering afterwards about their to-do lists that they didn't complete because God told them to be with each other. Because that's a priority thing, right? Where we get so filled up, so busy during our weeks that we are too tired for connection because the washing needs to be done. I, I'm I, I am to blame for doing that. But the reality is when we catch a fresh revelation of God, they didn't, it didn't say, and then they went home and complained about doing their washing and getting the kids' lunches ready the next day and they were so tired. It, it just doesn't say that. 
It says, literally, they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We have to redefine the way that we live, not by the world's standards, but by God's standards. And what we know is that God says to pray together, to eat together, to fellowship together, to learn together, and to be committed to one another in order that the church would be established in the town and in the nation. That requires sacrifice. They sold their possessions in order that the other person next to them would be welcomed, would be looked after in the family. Imagine if we approached one another with that much, with that much sacrifice. And not because we had to, but because the fresh revelation made us want to. We are designed to be modeled after the church that is modeled for us in Acts. A praying people. That goes beyond pre-service prayer for half an hour here. It goes beyond our once a month prayer meeting. That's every day these people prayed together, prayed for one another. They saw miracles. That tells me they were expecting miracles. It tells me that they weren't waiting for church. They were a people who expected a fresh move of God and he released his blessing over them. Now, how difficult the building of the church becomes when this person doesn't have time to pray for someone else because there's too many other things going on. See you later. This person, well, no, I can't invite someone over to my house because what, what will they think of my food? Comparison. So, I'm out. Uh, this person, nah, I just don't do church. Like, my weekend's short, so not for me. This person, mm, my, kids, my kids are really tired. A valid thing. But, no, we can't meet today. Sorry, no, we can't do connect groups. How quickly the church of God starts to disappear. Because guess what? You're the church of God. So if you choose to prioritize everything else over God, the church is no longer the church. What we do, what we can do, becomes less and less in our community. We don't have people to do it. I can't have 55 people over at my house every night. It's not possible. My house is tiny. One day, I'm praying for a table that big. But the reality is, I need you guys to be the church with me. I can't do this by myself. Pastor Phil and Kathy can't do it by themselves. You are the church called to pray, called to eat together, called to dwell together, called to have communion together, the breaking of bread, the remembrance of Jesus together. That's the design for us. And God wants you to catch a fresh revelation of that this morning. We started Connect Groups, which is super exciting, but I will be celebrating with confetti cannons the day that we have more than 75% of our church in Connect Groups regularly with each other because that is the place where God shows up and does something vulnerable in us. It's the safest place when you're trying to deal with shame. It is the safest place when you're trying to deal with fear. And it's the safest place when you're trying to deal with comparison. Because there's a small group of people who know your heart who will commit to praying with you, eating with you, and teaching and learning with you. That is what we are called to do. 
That is what the Acts Church is designed to do. And God is ready for this church, because this is all we can be responsible for is me and you, actually choosing to define our priorities by what God says, and then everything else will flow out of it. These guys didn't wear dirty clothes every day. They managed to get their washing done. But I can imagine that once the kids are settled in bed after a late night and, and, and the joy that, you know, like camps and conferences, there's an innate part of us that desires to live like that. I think that's why they work so well. Because you're away with a group of people learning together, praying together, eating together, napping together. There is an innate part of us that, that is designed to dwell like that, which is why I think they get so exciting. Why God shows up like he does. Why kids' lives have their, have their hearts changed. Why they come home with such a fresh fire and they tell their parents about all the things that God did. Why? Because they're actually living like God designed them and the priorities of the world is gone over that time. We have to start to redefine our family's to-do list by what God says first and everything else second. And if you want to see a change in your life, you want to see a change in your family, change your to-do list, change your priority list. Because I can guarantee you that God will show up when you steward your time well with him first. When you give him the first fruits of your time first, when Sunday starts your week, doesn't end your week, you will see a fresh fire and energy and revelation from God that will allow you to live the way that you're designed to live. Tired and busy are no longer excuses. If you come to me and say that, I'm going to pray over your to-do list. Yeah? Okay, let me finish with this. Ephesians 2:22. You guys can flick there if you want. understand in Acts, in Genesis, we're connected to God and to one another. In Acts, we're connected to a people group, a community. Okay, Ephesians 2.22, we are the church. I love this. I'm going to read from 11 because I just, I love the scripture. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised which was done in the flesh by human hands at that time you were without Christ excluded from the citizenship of Israel foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world but now everyone say but now in Christ Jesus you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ remember Jesus sent to be our cornerstone sent to be the thing that we connect to in order that we would build a church on something. Then he says to us, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were, who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. That's every single one of us, members of the same household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, 
The whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. We are the church, and when we choose to interconnect with one another, God will build his church in order that he could dwell there, in order that others would see him in that place. The scriptures tell us that. We're not just people. We're actually building blocks in his kingdom. And building blocks don't work when they're not connected. Us, me, I'm the church. The way that I am in the community, the way that I talk to someone in a supermarket, the way that I love someone in the McDonald's line. I'm the church. And people will judge the church by its fruit. And I believe that with an outpouring of the fruit of the Spirit, when we catch that fresh revelation, people will flock here because we understand what it means to live in love. We understand what it means to walk in peace. We understand what it means to be not easily angered. When we understand that we are selfless, not boasting in what we have, but boasting in the name of God, when that church, when that church is established in this town, God will move and he will move fast, and we will have numbers added daily. Not because we want to be a big church, please don't hear me saying that, but because a big church means a big kingdom, and I cannot wait to get to the kingdom of God, to be in heaven, and see thousands of people, recognize thousands of people, not just be like, well, that church did great, good job, Elevation. I cannot wait for this church to be known in the heavenlies as a church who brings people to God and allows him to work in them from there. And the only way we're going to do that is if people see us living differently than the way the world's living. It is time to re-establish, redefine what our priorities are. It is time to get rid of fear and guilt and shame and comparison. And it is time to pick up the word of God is that we would be a church, us, you and me, that would dwell together in order that God would dwell in us. Praying together, eating together, family table, if you didn't plan on staying, you best be now. Go to a countdown and grab a chicken. I don't care if we have 10 hot chickens, okay? Everyone loves to count down chicken. But the reality is we're actually called to do more than just come together and worship together. Our fellowship is worship to God. Our communion is worship to God. Me praying with someone is worship to God. Us being a place that's safe enough that someone doesn't have to cover up with fig leaves. Wear clothes, please. But, you know, don't cover up your, your, <laughs> your heart, your soul with fig leaves. Don't hide from me. I'm, ex- I'm so expectant for what God is going to do in this church. It is obvious that we've been on, on a crazy journey. Zion. That's who we are. The people who dwell in the presence of God. The people who dwell in the presence of God understand revelation of God. And revelation changes behavior. You can get knowledge somewhere else. What I want is to create an environment this morning where we can catch a fresh revelation. Why don't the team come up? They're going to sing, be enthroned for us. And I just want us to spend some time allowing ourselves open before God without the fig leaves, without hiding. He knows where we are. 
But if he asks you where you are, maybe he's trying to reveal that something's a little disconnected. But understand that he's a good God who will always clothe you, who will always provide for you, who knows the ins and outs of your heart, and he's waiting for you to respond to him vulnerably in order that you could catch a revelation of his Holy Spirit. As we worship to close this morning, bring yourselves before God. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I could keep talking for an hour, but I won't. Okay? Let's worship, and, um, and then we'll close. Amen.